0: Everybody and welcome to another one in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name is uh, David Lloyd, broadcaster, writer, actor, Man About Town and I'm joined by Chris Bird. Say hello Chris. I know David, you're not Man About Town at the moment, I, I'm sure of that. <laughs> no, that's I'm man stuck at home.
1: <laughs> uh, so Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I wrote a book called The Financial Wellbeing Book. I also wrote a, a few other books, The Eternal Business about Employee Ownership, and a couple of novels. I've got another novel coming out soon, so we'll come back to that in future podcasts, I'm sure. And uh, I'm chairman and founder of the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing. So, financial wellbeing, money, and happiness is kind of uh, one of the things I think about quite a lot in life.
0: Well, that's fortunate because that's what this podcast is all about. And, Thomas, what expertise do you bring to the table?
2: Not a lot, to be honest with you. There you go. Now I have many years as a financial planner. I am a charter financial planner and also a director over at Bristol-based financial planning firm Ovation Finance. And like Chris, I am a director over at the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing. So yeah, I'd like to think I have some expertise to bring to the table. I feels quite hard to say that out loud, but I'd like to think that I know a fair bit about this topic. Well, I'd like to think that, too,
0: given that you are my financial
2: advisor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, David, I've been doing a bit of thinking recently uh, based on a book called How to Write One Song by a guy called Jeff Tweedy, who is the uh, main man from an Americano group called Wilco. And he starts this book off by talking about the difference between who you want to be and what you want to do. And I think that's just such a fascinating idea because... Tomo is undoubtedly an expert in financial well-being and one of the best chartered financial planners in the UK, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not who he wants to be. It's what he does. And so we get to judge him because of what he does. And we can therefore say who it is that he is being. But he's modest and he doesn't like to say that himself. I think that's such an interesting idea. Jeff Tweedy talks about how when he was nine, he used to tell everybody that he was a songwriter because that's what he wanted to be. And then by the age of 12, he thought, I better actually write some songs because he told everybody he was a songwriter but hadn't actually written anything. So he did. So what you do and what you want to be is such a fascinating concept. I could talk about it for ages.
0: Well, I think who Tom wants to be
1: is Joe Root,
0: actually.
2: Um, <laughs> time, time stamp, we are recording this uh, over in over in India. And, uh, yeah, a big cricket fan. And this is actually going to be one of my tips in a moment. So I chance not spoil it too much. But and Joe Root has just... Scored a 100. Hey. Um, not out. Um, staggering, really. That's 300 in three tests. That's Anyone who's not into cricket, you won't know anything about. I, I get it. But those who do like cricket, that is an outstanding achievement. And as a point of
0: information,
2: Tommy, did
0: just say we're recording this over in India? Uh, I think there should have been a comma in there. We're recording this, meanwhile, over in India. <laughs> oh, right. Yes, in yes India, thank you. Actually, See, we're, we're back in the UK. So... Let's move on then. And uh, uh, Chris, what's happening in our podcast today?
1: Today, David, we are going to have an interview with Anne Abanes, um, who I will tell you a little bit more about later. But she's a, it, it, she's very much into financial psychology.
0: Before we move on to that, let's have the first of our two regular features. The first one being Beige's Behavioral Biases, where uh, an old friend of the podcast, behavioral finance expert Neil Beige. Gives us a one minute introduction to a different behavioural bias that affects how we make decisions
1: about
3: money. Probability Neglect. There is a simple truth that underpins this behavioural bias, and it's that humans are really bad at assessing risks. We are generally so bad at this that we assume that common activities we engage in, like driving a car, are safer and less risky. Than less uncommon activities we engage in, like flying in a plane. Now one of the reasons that people's brains get messed up like this is because we also have a tendency to confuse probability with possibility. So when it comes to financial decisions, or investing money, is there a possibility of me losing money? Of course there is, but that's not the question you should be asking. You should seek to understand the chance of the probability of losing money, and potentially how much. This conversation is part of a risk-taking discussion that any good financial planner would explore with you in detail.
0: Excellent. Well, I have nothing to add to that. The great thing, I think, about Neil's biases is he expresses them you know, within the one minute he's got so clearly and succinctly. I kind of think themselves so I thought that one did. Agreed. Right, OK, let's move on then to the next of our regular features. Titus Tomo, before we get today's tip for him, I've got one for you. We're recording this in early February. I've come off the back of dry January. I've saved myself, without going into the exact details of how much I spend on booze, I said my partner both gave up for a month, and I've saved myself an absolute fortune. So if you want to... Uh, if you want to save a little bit of money,
2: uh, stop drinking for a month. Yeah, that'd do it. That'd do it, and you probably bought yourself an extra couple of months of life as well. So yeah,
1: definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, Chris, have you got anything for us today? I do, David. It's not a serious suggestion. Well, I hope it's not a serious, serious suggestion. It comes from an Australian website called The Cusp, and they suggest that if you need your clothes dry cleaned, donate them to a charity shop, wait a week, and then buy them back. <laughs> uh, I'm not actually sure if that would save you any money. I think it's possibly more of a lazy way of a very expensive way of getting your clothes washed, but
2: I like you're supporting was
0: charity it. as well at the same time. Tobo
2: main man, what have you got? I have a couple. One that I thought was a bit of a giggle. Um, I got this from uh, a friend of mine, Rich Ellis, via the Viz comic. And he put this on Twitter. It says, save money on expensive oysters by drinking seawater from an (laughs) ashtray. I saw a why not? Um, So that did make me chuckle. Um, I do have a serious-ish one. There is a website that is worth going to check out and that's called oddbox.co.uk. Concept of this is, I think it's something we talked about before, is that there are, fruits and vegetables out there that don't quite look as they should do as we are used to seeing in the supermarket and what they do is they get these throw away is the wrong word they haven't cut the mustard because you might be a wonky carrot or a wonky courgette whatever it might be but they put these they package them into a box and you can get them delivered to your home so it's obviously saving on food wastage and you get a pretty good deal along the way as well so that's oddbox.co.uk
0: yeah, that's a great one. And in fact, now most of the major supermarkets now will do that. They'll give you the option to buy wonky carrots, you know, that might just take a little bit more peeling, but they remain essentially carrots. So I'm all for that. I think there's a whole load of nonsense around having to present pristine food, and, and we end up wasting an awful yeah. lot. We shouldn't be
2: Absolutely. And that's definitely what they're trying to go with. And I will caveat at the moment, it's London in the southeast. that's an awful lot of the country to at least start looking at this so hopefully that will branch out But like save the planet save money fantastic
0: right there's a positive message to take into our
1: interview chris who have you chatted to this time right we have a chat with on abenez who is a certified uh, financial behavior specialist She is also president of the Financial Psychology Institute Europe, which is a not-for-profit organization, so just our kind of person. So let's have a listen to my chat with Anne. Anne, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast.
4: It's a pleasure to be here, Chris. Thank you.
1: I think it might be a good idea to just give us a brief introduction to all the things that you do around personal finance
4: i work with a combination of finance psychology and law and that just happened uh, for me to work like that and i'm educated as a financial planner a psychologist and also in law but i just make a combination uh, of it
1: so is that that's a combination that we're really interested in how those three things come together it's fascinating
4: <laughs> no, so, it's... <laughs>
1: The, uh, the term that, that you use I think to, to put this together is financial psychology so what is financial psychology
4: Financial psychology is the integration of finance and the whole field of psychology. Uh, I use sure uh, you of course you've heard of behavioral finance I read your book. And behavioral finance uh, is uh, based on cognitive psychology. Uh, Cognitive psychology is uh, something which is developed uh, in a lab uh, environment. And just about our cognition, that's a part of our brain, uh, which um, enhance uh, learning and all those kind of things. And there's more psychology uh, to us, uh, humans. And clinical psychology is the whole field of psychology. So financial psychology is also a part uh, is behavioural finance and the rest of it is uh, the whole field of psychology you apply to finance.
1: So one of the things that I know that you're you're an expert in is neuroscience. Before we start looking at neuroscience and money, what is neuroscience?
4: (laughs) Neuroscience, yeah, you have a whole definition of it, but uh, to keep it simple, it's just seeing uh, in what's happening inside in your brain and i think neuroscience uh, scientists will kill me if i put it this way but i always explain it as (laughs) it's how your brain works the kind of biology in your brain and how the neurons are uh, reacting and acting and that's the base uh, of our behavior so how the brain is wired and you can apply that also into finance
1: Okay. Okay. Let's do that then. So, so what is actually happening in your brain when you need to make a financial decision?
4: It's with every decision, and with finance, it's just a little bit uh, more complicated. When you're, when a financial advisor or a financial planner is talking to you, he's talking to your prefrontal cortex. This is where your thinking uh, takes place. But if you look at the brain, we have our reptilian brain, that's the oldest part, and our limbic system, that's the reptilian brain and our mammalian brain. And they are in charge. So what's happening uh, when we are anxious and money just causes fear. And when we are anxious, when we have to take a decision you have to talk to the part of the brain which is in charge. And the part of the brain which is in charge are the mammalian and reptilian brain. And uh, when we are anxious. uh, When we make a financial decision, uh, we just have to know um, how the brain works. A short explanation is a simplified model. That's the trine brain. The trine brain is our reptilian brain. That's the first uh, one part that comes alive. The second part is our animal brain. And the third part is our inner Einstein. That word a professor of me, my mentor told me uh, Ted clones and I just uh, thought now everybody knows what an Einstein is. <laughs> um, when we make decisions uh, and a financial advisor and a financial planner, you are taught just Uh, reason and with logic and explaining things, but that's the wrong part of the brain uh, you are approaching. The part which is in charge are the reptilian and mammalian brain, and our brain is just wired like that for a million years. And um, at the moment we take the financial decision, a lot of people are anxious because uh, finance is more intimate than all other things, and it's a really big taboo. So when um, a person enters your office as a financial advisor, then they are scared. They have a lot of high anxiety uh, for even talk about money. So when the level of anxiety increases, then just inner Einstein, uh, he's the captain, but he has nothing to say. And the reptilian mammalian brain takes over so you have to speak to that part of the brain, and that is where the emotions are, and then our other reactions are. And that brain just doesn't pick up information, and that's how we could survive as species, because in the uh, Stone Age, you hadn't have any time to think, hmm, is that rope, or is that a snake? <laughs> is, that, is that a bush, or is it a tiger? You just have to do something. So you flee, you fight, or you freeze. And if you don't do that, yeah, then you won't survive. So it's very important uh, just not only to uh, talk with, uh, to talk to the Einstein, but talk to the whole brain. And that's something which is often forgotten.
1: So I'd like to know how we do that in a moment, but first a couple of thoughts or questions. What is it about money that makes it a fearful thing to us then? Why does the brain react to a financial question by fear?
4: That's a good question, uh, Chris. <laughs> it's a smart question. And money is still a taboo. And what I found out, I thought, oh, maybe it's because hey, of, of, of the heritage of money. Because I know in Holland, uh, a few hundred years ago, if you were in debt, you get uh, literally scaffolded or you went to jail. But money is really a taboo subject. And we also learned from our parents, that's a t- topic to talk about. When people are getting married, they talk about everything. We see real-life soaps every day on the television, on, uh, we hear it on the radio. We talk about everything, about our sex life, about our, uh, our health, health problems, but not about money. So that's our heritage. And money is, for our brain, money is brand new. The stock market is from the 15th century, so and our brain is million and million years old. So our brain has to get used to the idea of money. So it's it's uh, the only to to think about. Oh, I have to go to the financial planner. That's that's all. uh, That alone is increasing our anxiety. Mm.
1: And financial planning is a very new discipline, isn't it? I mean, I we're talking decades only really that financial planning has been out in the public so to speak
4: yeah that's true and uh what's also uh, funny what i find out which is funny if you ask a financial planner i had to explain for a continuing education program i had to explain why emotions and why psychology is important and they said oh no eh, that's not true and uh, money nah, it isn't taboo what are you talking about and there were four gentlemen uh, in front of me. And, they, uh, and I said, okay, okay, you don't think it's a taboo now? Okay, uh, let me, could we do a quick test? And they said, no, that's okay. And I said, okay, write down the amount which is in, on your bank account. And they just, <laughs> and they did it. And after that, I said, okay, please, one by one, tell out loud what's on the piece of paper in front of you and they just refused (laughs) and they said i was rude and how could i ask that (laughs) and i said okay yeah that's my point so uh, it's it's really a a, a taboo and yeah we just have to get that into account uh, when we are uh, giving financial advice to other people
1: yeah that's that's a that's a great illustration did they accept the point out of interest (laughs)
4: Yeah, they accepted and I could do the continuing education, they said, okay, you make your point, it's okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that's a fascinating point that, you know, so one thing you don't talk to your friends about is your finances, isn't it? You'll talk about anything else, um, but not yeah. your finances. So, so that means that when you do need to talk about your finances, you're finding it very difficult, very awkward, and therefore the the animal part of your brain is the one that's functioning, not the sensible thinking part. Have I summed that up well?
4: Uh, no, in, when, when your brain is functioning, uh, they, they are all working together without your animal and reptilian brain, you just can't make a decision. It's, it's not possible. You can't make a decision with only the prefrontal cortex. So it's really not possible, but if they work together, then you get a, a sufficient decision.
1: So how then do we get the three of them, uh, two of them, three of them working together when it comes to a financial questions?
4: Um, before uh, I told, tell you that, that uh, the ancient brain, let's say the reptilian mammalian brain, they are responsible for 90% of the decisions and working together, just letting the information of the financial planner, financial advisor lamp uh, into the brain is just to, um, to reduce the anxiety of, the, of your client, let them know, that you're of the same uh, same tribe, because our brain is wired like a tribal culture. And um, so let's let just make it real, because uh, saving and futuristic planning, uh, that wasn't, uh, that isn't an advantage in our survival. We, that, that brain only thinks... For, the sh- for a short time what's next what's tomorrow what's uh, uh, over? what's happening in a week what's happening in two weeks and saving that's our that's against how our brain is wired
1: well so, I, I can vouch for that my brain certainly isn't wired for saving <laughs> <laughs>
4: And it's logical because when you just, uh, you had food and when you hide food for the others or just didn't eat it, then you were thrown out of the tribe. So it's very important to let uh, your clients experience that you are uh, in the same tribe. So that's very important to do that.
1: So uh, reduce anxiety, make it real, empathy so that you, you're, you're feeling... You were, as you say, part of the same tribe. Um, where somebody doesn't have a financial advisor, what what can they do to help themselves to make better financial decisions?
4: Uh, what you can do is just um, let's see, uh, just explore your own relation with money, and that's what you can do yourself. But also, it's also good to do that with an advisor, and then you get what are my money beliefs, and. Um, you have manuscripts and Brad Klantz uh, discovered uh, them with Ted Klantz. And I've worked uh, with the manuscripts uh, in the court. And that means uh, I did a lot of divorce uh, settlements and then <laughs> the stress is at the highest po- points and the money is just very important. And our manuscripts scripts uh, that are um, typical unconscious beliefs we have about money. They are developed in childhood and they drive all our adult financial behaviors. And um, there are subconscious beliefs we have about money, but we don't talk about them much because we don't talk about money, let alone talking about our beliefs about money. Most of the time we don't know we have them. And if you look at the word belief, a belief is something which is in your brain. So it doesn't have to be true. Mm. Most of the time, they aren't accurate, and we are developed it when we were children. So when you are a child, you're looking at uh, the the world from that perspective. Just an example: I just uh, I was in um, in a place somewhere, and I went to the lake. I was walking there with my sister. Said, oh, let's go to the lake. We went here before when we were five years old, and in my memory, the lake was so big, so big. And we were there, and I thought, hmm, hmm, this isn't a lake. <laughs> this is a small pond. So that's also with money. You have money scripts in your head, your money beliefs, uh, which are wired there when you were a child. So maybe you don't need them anymore. But when you don't know you have have them, and they drive your financial behavior, then it's very important to explore this and to discover them and to addressing them and see if there are uh, holding you back for for making sufficient financial decisions so that's very important
1: do you think it's possible to challenge yourself
4: to challenge yourself and yeah
1: if you have these beliefs uh, is it possible for you to uncover the self-limiting beliefs yourself
4: yeah yep. it's very, yeah of course you can and you also and uh, the, the good news is <laughs> they can be changed and some of these manuscripts are formed at a deep primal level and become part of our world world view so they are the ones developed for survival and protection in in that unpredictable worlds and they are resistant to change when there's a strong emotion attached to them uh, so, but you can explore it yourself and just say uh, what's your first memory of money um, What uh, what did your parents uh, taught you about money and something from uh, that's that's coming from the psychotherapy is when you have a fear of something just go talk with it So you put a chair in front of you and say, okay, money, sit down. And you just start a conversation with money and then write down what's what's in the conversation and then ask the question, hmm, what would my mother say about this? What would my father say about this? And that's an easy way just to find out uh, the money beliefs.
1: Mm, Wow. So... so Suppose somebody does that exercise, and I can imagine that's a very powerful exercise, talking to money and and bringing mum and dad into the conversation. I'm doing it in my head right now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Once you you do that and you start to realize what your beliefs are around money, uh, then what do you do about that?
4: Most of the time, uh, when you get uh, awareness is enough. So most people, when they are aware of that, of that money script, they know, hmm, okay, uh, this, was, uh, this was because this or because that. Um, sometimes they're intergenerational. So sometimes uh, grandparents in a war developed the, the, the money belief and you know that you don't need them anymore. So it's just get aware uh, of them is helpful. Mm. So when you know them, and it's also greater awareness, then you just know. And it's, it's just become aware, and then you can just make better decisions. You learn to know yourself, so that's a part also of, of, of well-being, learning to know yourself, and learning about your beliefs and about your past is a very important part of it.
1: And presumably you can then decide which of those beliefs you want to carry on with. It's a choice, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it's a choice. And they are, uh, yeah, you can rewrite your script. So that's, mm. uh, that's, the, that's the good part of it. You just can rewrite your script.
3: And
1: I think we could, we could talk about this stuff for ages and ages. And I know we've only just touched on the surface of this. But uh, perhaps just to wrap up, could you tell us about the Financial Psychology Institute of Europe?
4: Yes, we want to increase the understanding of how psychological aspects uh, influence financial behavior and financial decision making. So uh, we just uh, embrace all the people who are busy with this, with, we're on a mission to um, get a uh, to improve world, the world's financial health, and we establish evidence-based interventions uh, for it, and we educate financial professionals, mental health professionals, and other professionals so they ca- can work uh, in a better way with their clients. So that's our goal.
1: I think it would seem to me the message that's coming out of this is if we understand how we make decisions around money, we will make better decisions around money.
4: Yes, and if we understand ourselves better then we just uh, inf- uh, getting uh, informed content as something in financial services are working with, just getting information, but getting the information of yourself about your own money beliefs, that's something which is very important to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: So that's a big part of, of financial health and financial well-being, getting you know yourself. And there's a lot of attention of exterior finances and with the life planning, there's also a lot of attention of the interior finances about your your present, about your authenticity, uh, about your awareness and uh, the future, uh, your dreams, your possibilities. But the past is also a very important part of it. And that are your beliefs, your manuscripts, your emotions, your, your, your unconscious beliefs.
1: And absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you, Chris.
0: Well, fascinating stuff there. I have to say a lot of it, um, I mean, it was, I, I, I want to say it felt familiar. She gave us a new insight to certain things that we've discussed a lot on the podcast over the years, uh, and certainly of what she said chimes in with, with our financial wellbeing principles of, of of know thyself, the self-limiting beliefs that we often have about money.
1: I love some of the stuff she talks about that uh, how our brains haven't been used to money, in the, in the you know, in the full period of evolution. So uh, the way that we, we deal with decisions and make decisions around money, it just doesn't come naturally to us, actually. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, and also another thing she said that struck me as well, that money
0: or thinking about money can cause fear and create anxiety. And and that's very true as well. And and if we, if we can find a way of reframing that and focusing on, on making it, rather than making us scared of our money, how we can make our money feel better um, is great, and, and and also her assertion that, that the self-limiting beliefs that we talked about before can of course change. They don't have to be constant, but you do need to be aware of what it is that's causing them before we go about trying to change them. You know, you can you can rewrite your scripts,
2: as she says. Yeah, I've got nothing to add, chaps. I think you've summarised it brilliantly. I think it was a terrific interview. So thanks for that, Chris. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, we hope you've enjoyed that. We always try and bring you something a little bit different, and we'll aim to do that next time we come back to you with another one of our Financial Wellbeing Podcasts. For now,
3: goodbye. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial wellbeing. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at finwellbeing. Chris is Ovation Chris and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think.